What's up, everybody? Episode 3 of Muscle Orchestra. Coming at you hot and heavy. I am one of your co-hosts, Tanner. And with me, as per usual, my good buddy, Chris. Chris, how we doing? Oh, we're doing great. We are excited to talk some wrestling. We we are. We, we are quite excited. I, I will say, Chris, we're getting better. I know I mentioned it last time, but this episode came together quicker than the last yeah. one. Um, yeah, we're we're slowly but surely we're getting there. Yeah, I mean one one day, you know, I mean I guess we're technically still doing the the one a month. I guess we're we're still hot on that. <laughs> we we now have a streak of two because this episode will go up in the month of April. So that's that's true. That's that's beautiful. It 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 is. I'm I'm glad we're actually also a little on topic because today. Uh, we're doing something a little bit different. We didn't collectively choose a few matches for us to talk about. We each have our top 10 list of top 10 matches that happen during WrestleMania weekend. Uh, but before we dive into that list, uh, Chris, I want you to sort of uh, set the table because uh, a very special match happened just days before WrestleMania, actually, but I think it went up probably a week or two afterwards. Uh, yeah. Let me let me pull up pull up the date so I can. Uh, yeah, the twenty second of March, this match happened, and I believe it was up the next week on independentwrestling.tv. Uh, it is a truly truly great match. Uh, it's one of those matches that you see gets uploaded and then like you're already excited and then one like like people people in our circles were very quick to start hyping up this match. It is Damus versus Wotan from Zona 23. Uh, and Damus and Wotan, two of the best brawlers in the world and you see that they're having a singles match in zona 23 uh which if you're not familiar is a promotion in mexico that most of their shows happen in a junkyard uh so seeing like two of the absolute best brawlers in the world going at it uh on a show like this you're you know it's going to be hype and uh, some very good friends of ours were starting to hype it and i think before i think before either of us even saw the match we decided we were going to talk about it yeah i i I think that's actually how it went i i remember um you messaged you were like uh Oh, do you also want to do a special Wotan Demus convo? I go, oh hell yeah! And you're like, cool, I'm about to watch it. So yeah, I was definitely yeah. before either of us watched it. But like you said, it was very quick, especially in just like the circles we kind of run around in. Like it was like within a half hour of it being uploaded, people were like, yeah, this is like the best match this year. <laughs> yeah, this like, uh, and we'll get to it. It's not it's not a perfect match, but no. I mean, uh. It is a match that if you like blood and people getting punched and 
uh, hitting the head with weapons. Uh, this is a match for you. It is just one of it's two. It's two masters of the craft going at it. I'm. I mean, it really like especially because like Damos and Wotan, obviously like again favorites, especially in the circles we've been running around in for you know the better part of a decade now. Uh they all their matches can only be so bad. They have like probably two of the highest floors in wrestling, in in my opinion. Yeah. It, so, and that's just like them against anybody. But you know, if you get these two together, you're like. I mean, I I hate to be so like to use the hyperbole, but you know you're going to get something pretty great. Like I, I yeah. don't I don't think these two have ever had a match less than great with each other. Yeah, they they've had a history together uh probably 5 years ago, maybe longer that they had the hair versus beard match. Mm-hmm. Um and they like they've had several other matches, singles matches, uh four ways, uh tag matches, like all kinds of wild stuff and they're like uh, looking at cage match, which I know is not always perfect, especially when it comes to lucha and especially, especially indie lucha. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first time they've been in the same ring since December 2020. Uh, so they took they took a little bit of a break uh, from wrestling each other, uh. And now they're back and better than ever. Like this, an incredible match. So, I mean, just rolling into it, like it, it's really hard to talk about. I guess the structure of the match because the structure of the match is th- them punching the shit out of each other. Yeah, they they punch <laughs> the shit out of each other. They punch each other some more. Then, um, like they hit each other with chairs. Uh, at one point, uh, like Damus hits Wotan with a cowbell in the skull and it's so fucking sick. Like, and it's, it's like, it is a, like structurally, it is a pretty standard Lucha walk and brawl. Yeah. But. It's from two guys who have some of the best punches, who are just absolutely want to destroy each other in the ring. And it really comes across. And the energy, the energy from the crowd is great. And the energy from both performers is awesome. Like it is, it is one of the great pure spectacles you will see this year. Oh, definitely. And I think, I mean, again, like the zona 23 junkyard does kind of have, again, especially in our circle, like it's just one of the best venues in wrestling. Yes. Like, like it truly is. And just seeing these two guys bleeding, beating the shit out of each other, but then they're just like dirty. Like they're just covered in fucking mud yeah. and dirt and dust, and there's like children in the crowd losing their shit. The, the adults in the crowd losing their shit. Like it's such a raw energy that I don't think any other 
I, I don't even I can't even think of like other promotions in Mexico that do similar stuff have energies like this. Like it's something about the Zona Twenty Three Junkyard that just has the best crowd in the world. And then you know, like we said, you have two. Like yes, it is fair a fairly simple like Lucha Walken brawl, but you have like the two best guys to do that style doing yeah. it. The, and they're doing it well. Yeah, like the only only person in Mexico probably coming close to having this match is one of Wotan's other uh, mortal enemies, uh, El Hio de Fishman. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, it's... <laughs> and, like, what's so weird, too, is, like, I mean, I, I don't feel like anybody even really knew this match was happening until it got uploaded. Like, that's the best yeah. kind, right? Yeah, it just... Like, I did not know this uh, show took place or, like, what the card was, because also the last show Zona 23 ran... They did not upload onto IWTV. They uploaded it onto their own website. Yeah. And it was like, it was an actual like pay-per-view, uh, which I haven't checked out yet. Um, but. And I believe Zona 23 as, is running a like proper deathmatch tournament. If yeah. Their, if their Facebook was to be believed. Yeah, and so, and yeah, they were, like, end of last year, they were running some shows with GCW, mm -hmm. uh, and so those were getting uploaded onto Fight TV instead, so, like, all of a sudden, Zona 23, which you don't even know is still being uploaded to uh, IWTV, has a new show with Damus versus Wotan, and the entire card is uh, worth watching uh, if you if you have a subscription. I really like the Chicanito versus Dra uh, X Dra Dragon match. Uh, and there's also a really good Atomico's match that happens right before Deimos versus Wotan. Uh, but if you don't watch those, watch this match. Oh, yeah, this this match, like, especially just in terms of, like, 2023 wrestling, especially, absolutely essential viewing. and. I I know we have to talk about it about the finish. <laughs> yeah, that is that is the one drawback of this match because like I the first like 95% of the match is incredible. Mhm. Mm uh and then the match ends in a draw. Yeah. It, it ends and in it's a also pin. not even apparent that it ends in a draw until like a few minutes after and you're like oh it's just done <laughs> yeah you're like it's very awkward it's very clear that the crowd is not into it yeah the, yeah the crowd is fucking like, like i don't think i've ever heard a zona 23 crowd just so taken aback yeah cuz like they're they're pissed and they're they're chanting they want like like uno mas uno mas because mm -hmm. Like, obviously things are unsettled. Hopefully there is a rematch, whether it's in Zona 23 or uh, any other promotion that, like, will book both 
both guys in a deathmatch setting, DTU or uh, like AULL or Lucha Libre Boom or whoever ends up booking this match, you know you're getting another money match. But yeah, it's just it's a like it's probably the one thing that prevents me going like a full five saying it's a full five star match or whatever because it just is such it's so deflating after one of the truly incredible brawls you'll see all year. Yeah, like I, I was in the same boat. Like I'm watching it. And I'm thinking, because I knew that there was a finish people were not a fan of. That's the one thing yes. I constantly kept hearing. I was like, okay, whatever. Well, I'm watching the match, and I'm like, dude, this finish has to be so bad for this to like not be my match of the year. And then the finish is so bad. <laughs> like, it actively... This, this match with a proper finish is 99% probably my match of the year. Yes. Because, um, like, the... I feel like the only time... Like there's there's going to be incredible brawls in lucha throughout the year. Obviously, we talked a lot about the pigs mm-hmm. uh, last episode, and they're like they're killing it. And but it's like the kind of the kind of environment this match had for the like first like ninety nine. Like I said, ninety five percent of the match, ninety nine percent of the match, really. Yeah. Uh, it's like the kind of atmosphere that you you only like you get at like Triple Mania when they do a big Apuestas match or like one of the like like a great brawl in like IWRG and like this is this is like one of those matches that if it had a finish would be like instantly and I think in our circles, it is an instant classic because I like I it truly is just like I said, a master class from two two of the best brawlers in the world. Yeah. Uh, but like if if one of them was willing to take the pin in this match, it would have been like. You would be talking about this as like a best of the decade contender. Yeah. And it, and I don't even know if it needed a decisive finish. It just needed a better finish. Yeah, then, like, because, yeah, <laughs> it's just confusing. And, like, they brawl a little bit afterwards. So you're, so for, like, a minute, you are kind of just, like, are they? Is it done? <laughs> like, are they starting this up again? But then, like, eventually, I I think Damus is the first person who takes the takes the mic afterwards and you're just like oh, okay this is done now which yeah. that that sucks but boy howdy what a what a ride but and i, I don't want to speak for you but even with that shitty finish this match is like very well into my top 10 still oh yeah this is this is still very much it it still might be my match of the year right now yeah um like there there are a few there are a few other contenders. There's uh, the Muto Naito match. There's the Kai- stuff with uh, Kaito and Okada. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mudo Chono, obviously. Mudo Chono. <laughs> uh, Nakamura Muta. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Lot- how, 
how high do you think Mudo is going to make it in the in the Chris 100 this year? <laughs> I mean, it's it's like one of those cases that obviously it's very limited because he retires months into the year. It's going to be one of those cases like uh, that gets made with certain guys every year with very limited uh very limited resumes like you're classically in years past it's like the yuki ishikawa mm-hmm. role who like <laughs> he works like four matches of a year in the year and but they're all incredible yeah oh my god somebody's gonna be so pissed that you just compared ishikawa to muto <laughs> i know i know that's that's exactly why i made that <laughs> but i mean it i mean it is that case or, or yeah. in the past like uh wotan yeah especially uh, yeah. especially with the chris 100 voters in 2020 because covid like cut, like set things so like loose like and it was just kind of a mess for anyone to build a resume that mm-hmm. wotan has been like voted top 10 in the Chris 100 based on like a handful of matches. So, so like that'll, I think, I think Muto will end up top 50. For sure. Yeah. I, th- I think he'll end up top high or fairly high. I also, I, I don't know if you have seen any of the rumors that he may potentially wrestle on the altogether show. Oh, that's beast. <laughs> I have not seen that rumor that. Yeah. That I'm, beast. I'm, what a King. I don't, I don't know if it'll actually happen, but if it happens, I think just based on principle, I'll, I'll have to make him one, because that's yeah. so fucking good to like that, run this huge multi-promotion show at the Tokyo Dome as your huge retirement, then book yourself in another match for your retirement, and then come back four months later to wrestle. <laughs> yeah, that that is that is goat shit. Yeah, that, like, that that's is, truly that's like absolute goat shit. That out Carney's like Onita, like easily. yeah, that's <laughs> like doing doing the Terry Funk unretire two months, like uh, just a few months later. After that's that's so beast. God, yeah, that, 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 I, I hope it comes to fruition because it it would just be the best shit. But yeah, yeah. I, like that happens. I'm not I'm not just talking about. Uh, Muto number one for Chris 100. You might have to think about uh, Muto number one greatest wrestler ever. <laughs> it really adds to the resume. Uh, like, depending on what criteria you use, like biggest corny, how how high that can get you on the list. And a move like that could get you pretty fucking high. <laughs> oh, man. Uh well speaking of, of Carnies, are you uh, uh are you ready to talk about some WrestleMania weekend matches? I am ready to talk about some WrestleMania weekend matches. Uh so Chris and I each have our own independent list of our 10 personal favorite matches of WrestleMania weekend. We have not seen each other's list. No, we have yeah, I did not I literally finalized the list. Five minutes before we hit record. Uh, yes, I literally just watched a match that moved into my top five minutes before recording. Great, um, wonderful minutes uh, before recording. 
Um, so yeah, Chris, I guess what we'll do is we'll just both start at 10, you know, say a little bit about our matches. Because I I assume most of, even though we don't know, I assume most of us have seen everything or at least most of everything on the other's list. So we'll be able to. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to do this? So like, we'll go one by one, but if, uh, if one of us has the match higher, we table it for later. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you can do that. All right. Um, do you want to st- start or do you want me to start? I can start. My number 10, uh, which, again, if we want to talk about bad finishes, this match, I think, kind of encapsulates that. But it still made the, it still cracked the top 10. I got Gringo Loco versus Psycho Clown from the world on Lucha. Uh, April first at uh, Gringo Loco's old GCW. Okay, we we will show. table that for now. Okay, okay, okay. I'm interested to hear your takes on that because I I also have some takes. All right, my number ten is from uh, WrestleMania Night One. Uh, Dominic Mysterio versus Rey Mysterio. Oh, okay. I I don't have that on my list. Yeah, that uh, that one. Uh, surprised me because like i i'm not i think it's very evident from the way i talk about wwe that i have been pretty burnt out on the company for a few years so i'm very much only watching the Mm pay-per-views and so i am still kind of like i was still very much in the mode that dominic mysterio was really bad in the ring still because they they really did it felt like they brought him up very early obviously he didn't get seasoning in nxt because they just wanted to insert him into ray storylines right away which you see but obviously you're you've got a guy who's still very green in the ring uh still kind of figuring it out on tv and that's not always the best uh but it's very evident from this match uh that dominic has made some major strides and uh, i'll probably be checking out more of his matches when i'm like skimming like tv i've missed or uh pay-per-views obviously he's in the ring with his dad who is an all-timer yeah uh but it's not it's not a ray mysterio carry job i like you've seen you've seen ray mysterio carry jobs before and i don't think that's it but because i think like dominic especially in the in the realm of like his character work and stuff uh has improved a ton uh and yeah like i really enjoyed that match uh it was it was a nice nice little surprise. I wasn't like shocked that Rey Mysterio has a great match on on a big stage because that's what he's done for thirty years. Like yeah, thirty <laughs> years at this point. So, but still, like it's it's definitely definitely something that kind of turned my head a bit because, like I said, it wasn't a Ray Carey job. Yeah, I think the best thing Dominic ever decided to do was instead of working like the babyface stuff, he just went, what if I just worked like shithead Eddie? 
and it yeah. totally fucking works for him. Yeah, the like being being a shithead heel uh definitely has worked for him a lot better than just being like trying to work like Ray. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it definitely because he's almost too big to work like Ray. Like that's the whole yeah. kind of point of Ray's style is like this underdog. Dominic's like probably six one. Like it just doesn't translate as well. But you know what does translate well? Him being a shithead and breaking into his parents' house and kicking his dad's ass at Thanksgiving. That's oh, good stuff. That is good stuff. I also enjoyed that this match was sponsored by a uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yes, that is <laughs> that is a crucial part of. <laughs> All right, my uh, my number nine. I may get some hate for this because I have seen that I've I'm a little bit lower on this than a lot of people. I went with Claudio Castagnoli versus Eddie Kingston from ROH Supercard of Honor. Yeah, so we are both uh, we are both relatively low on this match uh, because that barely did not make my list. That would have been my number eleven. Um. So don't get me wrong. This match, I still think is like, I went four stars on it for reference, but I mean, I've seen a ton of people call this like their favorite match of the year, top five match of the year contender, like all all that jazz. And and don't get me wrong. It is a well-worked match. I just, I've seen both these guys in the last 12 months do better stuff with I don't want to say lesser opponents, but like Eddie and Claudia are two guys I hold in fairly high regard of being yes. great wrestlers. Um, and I've seen them do a lot more with a lot less. And I don't know if maybe the crowd was mic'd weird, but it just did not seem like the crowd was into it. Yeah, and I mean the way the way the Ring of Honor show kind of was structured i can definitely see there being exhaustion by the end especially after uh like it feels like a lot of the wind came out of the crowd during uh spoiler alert the ladder match which we'll talk about yeah um (laughs) but yeah it i think it's a very well worked match i think eddie in particular gives a very like I mean, he's been one of the best baby faces in the world for, once again, decades. Yeah. Uh, and like Claudio, Claudio is a good foil, but it just it just felt like they didn't reach the next level that you would want them to, mm-hmm. or at least that like like it just didn't reach like the upper echelon for me but i yeah i still really like the match it's a good uh, it's a good main event but it's not like it's not like the cherry on top because like supercard of honor is a great show top yeah. to bottom great show M- maybe the best show of the year yes very like almost almost every match hit for me yeah um even on the pre-show so like what would have been the cherry on top is if like two of the best work rate guys had like had a classic and they had a great match but Mm -hmm. it didn't feel like their classic yeah and again it doesn't stand out on a show that are that had 
I mean, everything on this show was, in my opinion, especially the main show, was at least very good. Yes. Like, it, it didn't do enough to stand out from the crowd. Like, I could have easily have had uh, Athena Sakazaki here or Mark Joe. Like, all three of these matches, to me, are in, like, the same spot in my mind. Um, It just didn't do enough to stand out from, from those. And again, like you uh, were alluding to, it definitely seemed like either the crowd was exhausted or it wasn't mic'd well, but like the crowd didn't seem super hot into it until the last few minutes. And also like part of the crowd, like kind of turned on Eddie. Yeah. Like two thirds and through the match. Like, I don't know if that was just a very specific section or like the crowd was like, fuck this, fuck Eddie, which seems like not the, the reaction you want to be but- for that match. But at the same time, like when Eddie did lose, it also kind of took the wind out of the sails of the crowd. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because like, you know, that that was kind of the moment, right? Like the whole storyline being, oh, Claudio has always thought Eddie was lazy for like they've known each other for like 20 years. Eddie, quote unquote, left AEW to get away from the toxic. So, you know kind of just seemed tailor-made for him to win the ROH title, and then he just didn't. Yes. And I think uh, I think that's a good segment segue, uh, because we also, you name-dropped this match, which is my number nine, uh, Samoa Joe versus Mark Briscoe. Oh. Which is another another match, like, so I assume the way you talked about it, this is off your list. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, barely missed my list. Okay, which is another match that, like, two all-time workers for me. Uh, Samoa Joe, Mark Briscoe, uh, two absolute legends of their era, legends of Ring of Honor specifically, uh, in the aftermath of the unfortunate... Uh, tragic passing of Jay Briscoe. Uh, you have Mark going for uh, Samoa Joe, who's just been on a tear since he uh, came into AEW and Ring of Honor. Yeah, it really uh, has revitalized like his the last leg of his career. Yes, yes, absolutely. Like Joe is doing the best work he's done since like. TNA. And, yeah, I was gonna I was going to be nice and say maybe NXT, but it's it's before that, like Yeah. Because I mean, he had he, he had good Lesnar stuff was in good. NXT. Yeah. He had good stuff in NXT. He had some good stuff on the main roster. Yeah. But, but... he hasn't looked this good this consistently since he was still in TNA. Yeah, pr- probably like main event mafia stuff. Like we're talking probably like 15 years ago. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So and this is another match where, and I, I think this is kind of one of the things that killed the cr- crowd too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this was very early in the show, but Mark coming up short in this match. Cause I mean, he has like Joe, like Joe, obviously the monster heel him and Mark have a huge, like, They've been in the ring together 
forever for decades and obviously a lot of respect there like in kayfabe even with even with joe being the monster heel he obviously has a lot of respect for mark briscoe Mm -hmm. and like the entire briscoe family is in the front row and like come combined with stuff like claudio beating eddie the what stands out more i think is joe beating mark yeah because it's just like if you're not like because it's like it's very clear that the crowd is hungry for a mark win Mm -hmm. like they they really want like and to push like Mark Briscoe, he's working AEW now, and he's he's like doing some feuds there. It seems like they're building up something, uh, with like Jared and Jay Lethal, uh, but it's it's just like boy, if it just feels like if you're building this new era of Ring of Honor with the way you built up this match, you pull the trigger on Mark Briscoe to win the TV title. Yeah. And they didn't. And it's still a great match. Uh, like, like horrific, uh, character work from both performers here. Uh, just really, when it comes to feeling the drama, I think it's a very dramatic, match and like perfect for their styles but it just falls short and like i think part of that is the finish and like like you you don't always want to take specifically booking like i don't like taking the booking into like into my rating and stuff when I, when I rate a match after I see it, but it like, it really did feel kind of deflating. And I feel like if you get the big Mark baby face, come back and win at the end, like this is probably a lot higher on my list. Yeah, no, I, I agree. If I, I I'm the same way, I don't like taking the booking into consideration from a match rating, but like when it's something so egregious like like this and it's so weird too because i feel like i mean with AEW and these big roh shows there's never really like a huge miss like usually you can see the bigger vision yeah two huge misses on this show in my opinion and i really don't understand the logic of having mark lose and kingston lose unless the story you want to tell instead is mark beating claudio yeah, for the world title. I mean, which, that's the which kind of what I expected at the end of the show. Yeah, uh, and then you kind of got the weird stuff with uh, Blackpool Combat Club, and obviously, like Shibata showed up and built like a very interesting feud in in that way. But it like like as much as I love Shibata. Like you kind of you kind of want to build the end of your big show on a flagship show like this. You kind of want to build that around like the post match drama around guys who are going to be there all the time. Yeah. And but, I, 
I guess too, ROH is kind of in this weird spot now where they're just now starting getting their weekly TV up so they can actually, I, I hate saying this, but quote unquote, start telling stories instead of just having one show every three months. Yeah. That's built up solely on Twitter. Like even, even the super card of honor pre, like build up was really done in like three weeks of TV. Yes. Uh, so you, you know, like have the benefit of the doubt because like, I do think this is a good direction. Um, I haven't got, uh, a chance to watch a ton of the honor club stuff from what I've heard. Most of that has been mostly good. Yeah. There's, there's, uh, some really good matches on the TV. Uh, I was at, uh, they did some taping, uh, at the AEW show I was at a couple weeks ago and there were some solid matches there and one great match uh in Bringo Loco versus Eo Del Vikingo. Uh and there there's been some other standouts in including a lot of stuff from Claudio Addy, Mark Briscoe, Samoa Joe. Um but yeah it's like in this in this weird stage where they're kind of starting like it's been around for a year, but at the same time, they're starting from scratch mm-hmm. and there just seemed to be some growing pains with the booking. Cause like, yep. like Tony Khan, all like any issues you can have with him as a booker, he has generally been pretty good at sending the crowd home happy. Mm-hmm. And so to have like these two instances where I think if either Eddie won or Mark Briscoe won, you kind of forgive the other one. Yep. And you say, let's see where this is going. But to have both of those happen on the same show, you're just. It's it's very strange. Yeah, it it is like a super weird, like. Double miss, like, I, again, I'm, I'm try- thinking back the whole history of AEW. And even these ROH shows since the like the reboot, and I can't think of an instance where there were two huge like wrong booking calls. Because uh, t- Tony, in my opinion, because I, I guess it's because he has poster brain, right? Yeah, he's a great matchmaker. Um, and you know sometimes his feuds are a little silly how they get started up or they go on for too long, but most of the time, the end result is the better result and again even if it's not his matchmaking skills are just because he just fucking throws shit everywhere yes i mean and you know just i mean look at the resume of matches that has happened in aew and you know this rebooted roh's short history and like i i I dare you to find a better lineup just on paper on free fucking television but it's I, I don't know. Like I, I again, I want to give it the benefit of the doubt of you know because Tony always said he doesn't like running WrestleMania weekend, but he sees this as like an ROH tradition, so that's yeah. why he does it. So maybe that's a weird thing with it. But I I would like to hope maybe what would the next? I guess Death by Dishonor would be the next ROH pay per view. Um maybe it'd be a little more coherently built <laughs> yes, <laughs> built up and, and maybe not leave the crowd. So deflated. Cause obviously, you know, Shibata coming out is fucking rad. Um, but like you're two 
arguably your two biggest baby faces you have on either roster, both losing is uh is definitely like a head scratcher. All right. Now that we've spent a good 10 minutes talking about Ring of Honor booking. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, maybe that's just a thing from now on. Uh, it's like we're have we have a podcast in like 2009. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, there's uh, too much Bullet Club. Yeah, you know, professional wrestling in professional wrestling time truly is just the flattest of fucking circles because we have the same like five arguments all the time. Like I saw that tonight, Raw introduced a new world title. Yep. And like they're splitting the titles again after just fucking unifying them. It's like how many world titles are actually within these two world title? It's just the whole thing. Tanner, we- Tanner, don't get me started on this right now. <laughs> we have we it's so interesting. Also, the belt is fucking ugly. I'm sorry, you're like, oh, it has the big gold belt energy. No, no it's it not. doesn't. It's fucking hideous. It looks like the fucking Saudi Arabia belt that fucking just desecrated the big big gold on its own is a fucking classic design just bring that out there do not put your ugly fucking logo in the middle of it it just looks like a fucking plate go off king (laughs) i saw it oh man it pissed me off so much i don't even watch raw (laughs) yeah this happened but this happened like five minutes before we started recording so it's like really fresh in the in the brain and like i'm shocked at how many people are like oh that doesn't look that bad i'm like are you fucking blind it looks awful the new ic belt looks awful the united states title looks fucking atrocious not to mention it's held by one of the worst professional wrestlers i've ever fucking seen in my life that's also a sexual predator you have the tag titles are ugly as shit the world titles are ugly shit and then you introduce this belt to give to cody rhodes seemingly and it's supposed to be like an homage to the big gold but it's way fucking uglier and if this is the whole thing you're going to do anyways why don't you just have cody beat fucking roman (laughs) makes no fucking sense chris i i have no notes i have no notes tanner (laughs) fuck okay uh, number my number eight, eight <laughs> is uh, <laughs> I, I hate talking shit about WWE and then be like eight best match of WrestleMania weekend is the uh, the tag team turmoil from WrestleMania uh, thirty nine night one, which was the Street Profits, Viking Raiders, uh, Alpha Academy, and Braun and Ricochet. Uh, so I had uh, Colton Winslow over here. We were watching WrestleMania together. I lost my shit at this match. Uh, I thought as far as like WrestleMania tag spot fest goes, this is one of the better, maybe the best one they've done in like 10-ish so years. Um, And like every everybody bought it. There was some crazy ass spot. Like Chad hits a fucking chaos theory on Braun like full on deadlifts him off the ground, which was sick. Uh, I mean, you, you have the street profits just fucking everybody killed it in this match. Like Otis and Braun have like their hoss off. Like it, it goes like nine minutes. Like it's nothing like insane, but like just a fun ass spot fest, which was, in my opinion, what this WrestleMania weekend was all about was fun yeah. ass spot fest. Uh, this was a super fun one, and it was really fun watching with two. I don't even know how I'd classify Colton Wenzel. That you can't say they're non fans because they've watched 
too much wrestling with me, but I, the, the most casual fans you could be, and watching them like lose their shit over it was like just pushed it over the edge for me. And I I really enjoyed this match. Yeah, I uh, I like the match. Uh, I thought it was fun. I think the finish was really cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I didn't have I didn't have the same experience. Uh, like with the crowd i was in so i was just like i watched it and i was just like yeah that was pretty fun and like cool finish some cool spots but like not my favorite but yeah like braun getting trucked was also great when uh angelo dawkins just fucking ruins his shit it's so good (laughs) it was just it was a whole lot of fun i liked it way more than i thought i would yeah, it it definitely was better than I thought. Like I I had like no expectations going into that match and so for it to even like be like as fun as it was was kind of enough for me, but yeah, I definitely see like like hanging out with some casual fans watching WrestleMania and kind of being able to react with them. I could definitely see this being like on my list but yeah fun good good match fun match chris uh, i really you're right yeah uh i would just say i do really like uh alpha academy as a tag team They're oh really my god team. alpha academy i'm gonna say it should be <laughs> zane and uh, no not really but I, I don't know introduce new tag titles why, why does zane and owens have to have fucking both uh well, do you wanna do you wanna see some new ugly belts? Is that is that what you want? You want the can they make the some? belts uglier than they already are? That's a that's a fair question. I mean, I, I will say WWE belts, has been asking themselves that question for for years. I will say I like the current version of the belts more than I like the the bronze plated ones. I yeah. hated those. Yeah, the bronze. Those just looked cheap. Yeah, they they look super cheap. Um, I just don't understand. I'm let me go a little wrestling boomer for a second. Why can't we go back to like just the world tag and the WWE tag? Like, I mean, th- those belts didn't look great, but compared to what they look like now, I I don't know, man. I don't I, know, I don't man. Know. There there is not a single good looking belt in the WWE right now. It's not it's, a, it's wild. Not a single one. Like it it is honestly impressive how your company can have 20 fucking championship belts and none of them look even halfway decent. It's it's crazy. Yeah. It it, make, it makes no sense. I don't know. Bring back the fucking fiend belt. That is that's true. That's their only good belt they've had. <laughs> yeah, and we can't even count it, but bring it back. Uh so my number 8 which I assume you are going to table is uh, from WrestleMania night two triple threat match for the Intercontinental title. Yeah, I'm going to table that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk about uh, talk about that match. Well, I'm I'm honestly shocked it's at only at eight on your list. Um, now I'm interested to hear the. the we'll rest we'll of talk about it. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it. Uh, so my number seven. From Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 9, I have Kota Ibushi versus Speedball Mike Bailey. We are tabling that now. 
Damn, really? Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, my number seven uh, is once again from Supercard of Honor uh, for the Ring of Ring of Honor World Tag Team Belts, a ladder match. <laughs> Are we ta- is Yeah, we have to table that. <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Um, okay. My number six, and, and I think we'll actually talk about this one just knowing your our brief conversation about the show. Also from Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 9, I have Timothy Thatcher versus Josh Barnett. Yes. Uh I do not I do not have that higher on my list. Um this may come to as a surprise. I have really loved the the Barnett van like vanity booking of himself. Oh, that's it's always great. Yeah, like I think every match he has booked himself in on Bloodsport has been at least good, and he has had like some like the Moxley match is great. I fucking adore the Suzuki draw. Um, I know a ton of people did not like that match. I think it's fantastic. Um, this match may be the best though. Um, I, and obviously being in there with somebody you know like Timothy Thatcher kind of helps with that. But I mean, they just—I I don't know. It's like a real, just like on the ground. It's gross. They do some we and they're huge. Like these guys are pretty big, um, and they just like move their bodies in ways that it shouldn't be moved. And you know, they have good strikes, the good—I mean, good takedowns. It's just—it's the t- type of like gritty, like even Bloodsport as a whole show doesn't feel as shooty as you would want it to if you're expecting yeah. a UWFI or like even rings or or you know PWFG or whatever sort of show but like this match I think really encapsulates like the the shoot style of the 90s and the early 2000s it's harkening back to um and again helps that these two guys have like legit fucking backgrounds yeah and um, like Barnett like like you said, as a un, like as a whole, the shows aren't always going to get that, especially because they uh they do so much uh like style different like so many people from different styles yeah uh, that you're not like you're not always getting necessarily uh legit guys even if you're putting them putting them in like like part of it is seeing like how is this high flyer going to uh perform in like a uwfi style matchup yeah. so they, and, they and usually it's entertaining it's just not yeah it's just not, it's just not shoot style but bar like barnett is always going to bring that and i like i like this match a decent a fair amount but i didn't love it as much as i because I'm also a fan of the Suzuki draw, and I also really, really love the Mox match. Yeah, yeah, that Mox match is still just incredible. In, in it, my opinion, also it rules that uh, Barnett booked himself to lose against Thatcher, but not Mox. Yeah. Okay, I thought that was super weird. That's this is Barnett's cool, versus loss. That's his first. Like, when was the last time Josh Barnett has lost a match? 
Oh, shit. I feel like we have to go back. I mean, years, right? I mean, um, probably not as long as you would think. Well, I mean, but how often still... does he wrestle? Twice a year max? So his last loss, uh, not counting, not counting uh, the 2022 Clusterfuck Battle Royale, uh, is 2017 in TNA Impact. Did you know this match happened? I did not know this match. Lashley versus Josh Barnett, a nine-minute world title match? I was watching Impact at the time. Like, I was at least casually watching Impact, but I did not know this match happened. I mean, I remember Lashley's world title run. Yeah, and I was um, like a fan of that. How did? How have I not seen this match? Yeah, how have I not seen that? Also, I I, I don't know if you're looking, but the match on Cage Match before that one uh, at Enoki Bomaye 2014, Josh Barnett and Naoya Ogawa versus Kazuyuki Fujita and Mino Women. Fuck! Yeah. How <laughs> how have I not seen these? Oh man. Is that his only loss on here? Because his, his other loss before that, according to Cage Match, you have to go all the way back to 2008. Uh, no, he did lose. I'm seeing. Oh, he yeah, lost, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Jerome LeBanner. Yeah, an IGF title match. Yeah, so he's. So according to Cage Match, Josh Barnett has lost. Four matches in 15 years. And one of them we saw at WrestleMania the weekend this year. Yeah. Incredible. That's probably why I don't, that's probably why I don't like it as much. (laughs) Because he lost clean? Because he, because he lost clean. Didn't, didn't book himself over. It's like, it's like me being someone hating on, uh, Taker, Taker streak ending. <laughs> yeah, is that what you? It, oh I think it, Josh Barnett versus Tank Abbott. <laughs> but boy, wouldn't you love to see Josh Barnett versus the Undertaker? Who, like Josh Barnett versus all time striker? Yeah, the best pure striker <laughs> in WWE history. Oh man, that would be. Oh man, I'm trying to think. Is that the funniest match? You could book 2023 Undertaker in. It's got to be fucking close. I, I mean, Chris, I know, we, I know we kind of hit on this train often. But you know who Josh should book for Bloodsport X, which I assume uh, is what the 10th one should be called. Yeah, uh, are we talking Pondo? Uh, we're talking Madman Pondo. Josh Barnett versus Madman Pondo. Oh, that's a, that's a phenomenal match. Tell me that match just doesn't... Put your ass in a fucking seat. Let me tell you, Josh, if you're listening, I will be in Philadelphia next year for WrestleMania weekend. I will guarantee you a sold out crowd in any arena in Philly. If you book that match. Oh, absolutely. Man, that'd be good shit. I haven't watched. I, I mean, I know we're talking about WrestleMania weekend stuff. I haven't got the chance to watch uh, Pondo and butcher stuff from big Japan. But uh, some of the freaks I follow on Twitter have, and Chris, I think they're pretty good.
Yeah, we're I'm I'm going to have to check that out. I know some shows just made tape. Chris? All right. Oh, okay. I was I was making sure I didn't like. Uh, so my number six. Drop ready. Uh, my number six from Tokyo Joshi Pro, their Los Angeles show. Uh, for the uh, Princess Tag Team titles, Maki Ito and Mio Yamashita versus uh, Mizuki and Yuka Sakazaki. Okay, you kind of went in and out there. I, I know you, you said Ito and Yamashita versus Mizuki and Sakazaki. Yes. Okay. The main event, the main event tag of that show. Uh, tell me about it, because that is the one show I didn't get the chance to check out. Before oh boy. Um, it's. I'm I'm not going to say much about it. it pretty short and sweet. I've talked about my love for uh tokyo joshi pro in the past on this podcast i have uh especially yuka sakazaki and uh miu in particular i think are two of the best workers in the world and it's just a really it's just a really well-worked fun main event uh like it's definitely there's a reason they booked this match uh, as the main event of their Mania Weekend show because it's a really, it's just a really great showcase of the workers at the top of the card. Obviously, Maki Ito uh, has had like worked pl- plenty of stuff in the states at this point. Uh, she's working GCW semi-regularly. Uh, Takazaki and Yamashita have both worked AEW. Uh, and Mizuki, who's currently the champion and double champion now after this match, uh, is really like her in uh, her tag team with Yuka Sakazaki. They're just a really fun tag team to watch. So this is like if you were the kind of person who just sees this show happening at WrestleMania weekend with no other knowledge of Tokyo Joshi pro, it's a really good launching point. I think because you're seeing the top stars of the company, uh, you see, you see a big title change, which I was kind of surprised by, uh, all things considered. Cause like, you don't necessarily think the Japanese promotion is going to do a big title change on the Mania Weekend show. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you see them, you see the style, you see, uh, like, they're going all out, and the crowd, the crowd is really happy to see them, whether they're, like, already fans of DDT and TJPW, or they're just like seeing this really top tier Joshi wrestling for the first time. Uh, I just think it's just a really good match. It's not going to be the best Tokyo Joshi pro match of the year. Uh, but I think 
like I said, it's just a very good launching point uh, for anyone who's trying to get into the promotion. Yeah, I'm hate that I didn't give myself the time to to watch that because I'm I'm really looking forward to that match. But um, yeah, Tokyo Joji Pro has really just been killing it all year, and it, it really seems like people really came away liking that WrestleMania show. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't I haven't watched uh, all of the show yet, but like what I have seen other than this is worth watching, and also. Uh, there was a 10 woman tag that happened on the WrestleCon Super Show that was, uh, obviously like undercard 10 woman tag isn't going to be as good of a showcase of all the talent, but it's a really fun match on that show, too. That's good stuff. I'm, I, I it, it is cool too for like, I, I guess from where they started, like these smaller promotions in Japan, like being able to come over and run shows WrestleMania weekend. Like, I mean, DDT's done it a couple of times now at this point. And, you know, new Japan has been doing it for over, you know, 10 years, but you know, they're not a small promotion or anything, but like it, it especially really cool. Like, especially thinking back to when I first started getting into especially Japanese wrestling, everybody's like, oh, Joji's dead because there's not really any promotions. And now, you know, you have stardom killing it. Um, and then like Tokyo Joji Pro, you know, being able to come to the States and like running a very successful show is really rad. Yeah. How like how far Tokyo Joji Pro has come in the past few years to the point where they can put on like a WrestleMania weekend show and it's not like it is like one of the shows you would expect the best work rate in period. Mm -hmm. Like it, like it's just a testament to how well they've developed so many of their stars in the past few years to get to the like level they're at now. Yeah, no, it's, it's really, really cool. And I'm, Interested to see, like, especially now with some of their top stars, like, coming to the States more. I mean, like, like you said, Sakazaki's had stints on AEW, ROH, Yamashita, you know, same thing. Maki Ito, same, but she also comes over and, like you said, does a ton of GCW dates. And we even had Mizuki on TV as well recently. So I'm interested to see, like, what happens to their popularity like in the next 12 18 months and see how they kind of combat like their top stars maybe not always being at home kind of, kind of like ddt you know losing kanosuke uh on a full-time basis but I, i'm in interested to see how they work around that oh yeah for sure all right time to move in to our top fives if you would have told me this match would have been in my top five before this weekend started, I would have said maybe, but they'll have to do some crazy shit. And they did. I got Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. WrestleMania 39. <laughs> um, Chris, is this on your list? It is not. I have actually not seen this match. Holy shit. Okay. So I won't lie. 
the first five, six, seven minutes, pretty bog standard, like borderline boring. But Chris, they start deciding to just fucking murk each other. I mean, they are taking insane bumps. Charlotte Flair is maybe one of the most underrated bumpers. Yeah, Charlotte, 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 like, is always down to do some insane shit that she really doesn't need to be doing. But she's a flair, so she'll do it. Yeah, I mean, the amount of times I've seen this woman bump on top of her head or her neck or whatever is just insane. She takes a German suplex bump in this match that is on par with some of the nastiest bumps I've ever seen ever in a wrestling ring. Um, and, and that's what this is like Charlotte. And don't get me wrong. Rhea is great in this match. She's a great bruiser. She beats the shit out of Charlotte. It's a- actually incredible. Um, but Charlotte has always kind of been like, a, just, a, I, I don't know, a, a great brawler. Like if you watch any of the Sasha's stuff, uh, that happened, like, uh, God, that falls count anywhere they did on raw. Oh yeah. Back, like, I, I still think that match is one of the best TV matches of the whole decade of the 2010s. Uh, and she really brings it here. I mean, just like, nah, like, I mean, it's nasty. Like, the amount of bumps, like, that these two do, you know, the last 15 minutes of the match. Like, it, it really makes for just, like, a match you just don't see really on WWE TV a ton. It's just like two people going out there and just, I mean, yeah, you have Walter like brutalizing people, but this is a whole different level of brutal because I mean, Walter's not out here bumping on top of his head, taking these nasty, insane bumps, uh, you know, like busting people's nose up. I think both, both of their noses get busted open in this match. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely incredible. I I think everybody should take the time to watch. I mean, I think everybody should take the time to watch every match we're mentioning here. But like, I definitely feel like this match is going to get super underplayed because this match will probably pretty easily be one of the 10 best WWE matches this year. All right. Yeah, I'm definitely I'll definitely check it out. Because, yeah, like like you said, Charlotte is always always someone who's down to do some absolutely crazy shit. Yeah, she and I mean, I I don't know cuz she's always been like stupidly athletic, but at some point after going from NXT to the main roster, she was like, "Okay, I can land on top of my head now." I mean, she I mean, she takes like Abushi-esque bumps in this yeah. match. Like you have to see it to believe it. All right. Uh, my number five is we're going back to blood sport. We're talking, we're talking Killer Kelly versus Marina Shafir. Whoa, that high! Yeah. Wow. Well, hit me with it, Chris. This is because this match is not on my list. Yeah. Well, so I'm a I'm a big Marina Shafir truther. She gets a lot of hate. Uh, she hasn't always been the best booked in AEW, especially now. Uh, 
but like she i've like always i've thought even like those matches that not a lot of other people love against like jade cargill uh i think are actually really good and she's she's already like really good in uh the blood sport setting she's had like this is her third year working blood sport uh she had a match against uh masha slamovich two years ago and zeta zhang last year and both of those delivered and i think this is her best one yet and maybe the best match of her career uh, wow and like killer kelly is a big part of that i've been like i remember seeing her on some wxw shows forever ago uh and thinking she was always pretty impressive there uh and like she i thought it was a really good showcase of her doing like blood sport i think she yeah she worked uh one of the blood sports they did in 2020 in a good match with Allison K. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is, it's a very short match. Uh, five, five minutes, six minutes or so. Um, but I think it's just really, really solidly worked. Uh, Marina Shafir looks legitimate and uh, came off as one of the best looking stars on the show, I thought. And yeah, like, I, yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not one who. Like. Like, it really doesn't matter how long a match goes for, for me, whether it's five minutes or uh, ten minutes. 10 minutes longer than that um like like if i really love a five or six minute match i'm going to like i'm going to go to bat for it and this is one of those matches that i find myself going to bat for and i wasn't necessarily expecting it yeah but i thought both both women looked really really great and marina shafir as much as I will defend her as a worker in AEW, she probably looked better here than she has in a lot of her other work. So yeah, it's just, just like something really nice about a breezy, well-worked match in this style where like Shafir comes off as a, as a killer, but like Killer Kelly was no slouch either. Just like I don't know, like I yeah, I just found myself really shocked that this was what I gravitated over a lot of the other like other matches on the card more than Thatcher and Barnett, even like more than Moxley versus Coughlin, who are two guys I love. But yeah. I, I really uh, enjoyed this match. I'm I'm glad you said like you like to go to bat 
for the, like shorter matches too, especially because I I've noticed like as I've like gotten older and just I I watch a lot more wrestling like I I I used to be in the time in like the mindset where I'm like oh this match only went six minutes like. I, there's no way you can go four stars on a six minute match. It's just not possible. Um, it's how my brain used to work. And now I'm just like, not like a great match is a great match. Exactly. Like it doesn't matter if, I mean, shit. I, I recently went four stars on a Moxley and Claudio versus Michael Nakazawa and Brandon Cutler. Uh, great match. And, it's fucking fantastic. I was right? in the building. Great match. <laughs> it's so good. And it it goes like maybe 150 seconds. I mean, it's yeah, like that's, two and a that's half. That's not even minutes. three minutes. Yeah. I mean, and it's so fucking good. And like you, you get the whole structure of like a, a great 20 minute tag match in two and a half, three minutes. And it, and it's just like, fuck this. This is professional. I mean, again, also helps that. You know, one of the teams are like two legitimate all timers, but uh, still, it's just like I'm so glad I've gotten out of that mindset of, well, a match can't be great unless it's at least 15 minutes because you yeah. can't you can't work uh, a good match with you know your hope spots and everything. And I think Marina Schaffer is like a really good example of that because even in her AEW stuff too, like she works like the a quote unquote short of shoot hybrid style. Like yeah. one of my favorite uh dark matches this year is she has a match with Athena um on dark I think it was this year. It might be late last year. Uh by the way, it, I mean it's fucking great. It goes like four minutes and it's like Shafer giving Athena everything she can and Athena just coming back and pretty much just landing like a couple of big bombs on her in yeah. a row. But yeah, good stuff. I I really like that Bloodsport match too. I liked it way more than I thought it would. Cause I I probably haven't seen Killer Kelly any since like COVID hit. So it, it was really cool that she's still really good. And like I said, Marina Schaffer rules. All right, my number four is a match we tabled earlier. But I'm now ready to talk about the ROH ladder match. Yeah. Uh, shit. So this match, this is going to be weird. Okay, so I love this match. Obviously, it's my fourth favorite match of WrestleMania weekend. Watching it, I felt like this match went an hour long. I don't know why I felt like it went so... It feels like a super long match. But... Uh, one thing it ha- I'm trying to find like an official match time for it. It's 20 minutes, 14 seconds. Yeah. So it feels way longer than that. Um, but like the whole match is just go, 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 go. So, like everybody is killing each other. Even a team I'm usually not huge on like Aussie open. I thought we're really good in this match. Uh, but honestly, my MVPs of the match may be the kingdom. That this, yeah, I was going to say the kingdom are probably the MVPs of this match, which is insane considering some of the other like Rouches in this match, the Lucha Brothers, uh, Top Flight, uh, 
but like this was this was a match where you're just like are the kingdom are the kingdom like sneaky good i, I chris i have a theory i don't know if it's sneaky anymore i think everybody making fun of madison square taven it, it, it has come and bit us in the ass because i think the kingdom are just good i don't I don't know what the fuck they've been doing the last three years, but whatever it is, like I saw a tweet from Mike Bennett talking about how he had like, after one of his neck surgeries, had to like pretty much edit his whole style. And now he wrestles something he calls Boston strong style, Boston strong style. What the fuck ever. But (laughs) dude, it worked. They bleed in this match. Uh, And let me tell you, Bennett, Bennett is currently, if you haven't seen Mike Bennett in a while, he's bald and has a beard. So anytime he gigs, it, it looks fucking fantastic because like his whole just head becomes encompassed in blood. Oh yeah. Um it's such a great visual. Definitely a phenomenal choice for a professional wrestler. But Chris, I do want to talk about uh the top flight stuff that happened in this match. Uh so I'm wa- I'm watching this match, and keep in mind I'm watching it like three weeks after it, it ha- well, two two weeks after it happened. And I knew that one of the Martin brothers got injured in this match. Well, I'm watching the match. And at first, because Darius takes a pretty nasty fall in the match and kind of like tweaks his leg. I'm like, oh, that looked like that sucked. Uh, But then he like comes back in for the finish. I'm like, oh, was that the, the injury everybody was talking about? And then the actual injury with and then, Dante happens. And then you see it. And then you, and then see you it. fucking see it. And you're like, oh my God, how are people still just not talking about his whole ass leg being backwards? Yeah, that, I mean, I, I was in a voice call for that and it was just like, obviously very shocking. I. <laughs> uh, to everyone just see it because like that is one of the gnarliest injuries you'll ever see uh from just an absolutely nuts nuts table bump uh and yeah like that you are not the only person i've seen react to that who like watched watched the match later and was just like, so I know, like, I know some, like, Dante gets injured here, but, like, did he get, did he get hurt earlier in the match, and he's just kind of working it off, because he's still in the, like, this is, this is pretty clearly getting to the end of the match, and he seems fine, oh, no, that's, okay. Like, yeah, it just happened so fast, you're just like, what the fuck? I mean, it's it's literally the last spot of the match. Yeah. Uh, it's... It's bizarre. I feel so bad for Dante. I feel like Top Flight, just like one of them, just right when they're on the precipice yeah. of something, it seems like one of them gets injured. And I don't think this injury is like too long term. I mean, I, I don't think it, they've actually came out and said exactly what happened. Um, I mean, his, his, leg, I, his leg is broken. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, pre- like pretty obviously, but like, he got released from the hospital the same day. So like, I hopefully nothing like too awfully serious. Hopefully it's just like a broke leg and, you know, he can be back maybe, you know, in the, sometimes in the summer, 
but it man, I, I'm like, not putting I'm not putting any hope on seeing Dante Martin anytime soon. But yeah, I mean, hopefully, I, hopefully, I'm wrong. It was just fun. I, the only reason I say that is because again, he got released from the hospital so soon. But God, for two guys like, are so young. They they have had like they have had some awful luck, and like with with this spot, you can say, well, it like it's obviously a very high risk spot, but like mm-hmm. in the past, it's just been like, it's just been a lot of bad luck. Like, and I mean, it hasn't always even just been Dante, Dante Martin or Darius Martin. Like they just seem to have like bad, bad luck in general, mm-hmm. whenever they're starting to get pushed. Cause like Dante, Dante Martin was like while Darius was out, he was paired with Leo Rush for a little bit, and then obviously that uh, backstage drama with Leo Rush uh, happened, where he like left AEW, and so he was back to square one when he was already out his first tag partner. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, especially like two guys as talented and as young as they are, it's really sucked seeing them just have these start stop pushes because of injuries. Yeah. And like I mean Dante is 22, Darius 23. I mean it's yeah. just insane like and hopefully hopefully them being so young their bodies are just fucking magic. Hopefully, and like that, you know, they can kind of push back because I I think they have a ton of potential as like like they had a match with the Bucks earlier this year that I thought was one of the better Bucks like yeah that was that was a great match uh, yeah. their trio stuff with uh, Ar Fox Ar Fox was really was, good yeah and I mean like like I said I'm not putting a ton of hope like seeing him anytime soon but like another person in this match uh ray phoenix had a very gnarly injury Mm -hmm. off a table bump last year and he only missed like two months yeah i mean i don't i don't think that was obviously not as as extreme as this was but yeah his his leg wasn't backwards yeah like seeing it like most people's legs don't aren't backwards when they Get injured, but yeah, when they when they land, like uh, my wife was downstairs while I was watching it, and like she's watching it get set up, and you know she's like, "Wow, that's a lot of tables, it's a lot of ladders." I'm like, "Yeah, I hope nothing bad happens." And then and then the worst thing happens, and then the worst thing imaginable, and you're just like, "How the fuck does that even happen from that?" Just like I don't know. We're both just screaming. Um, yeah, I mean it was gnarly, but the match itself. Yeah, fucking ruled. Um, it, it, especially knowing like what happened. Like I, I'm I'm not huge on the Lucha Brothers winning. It I don't know if, and and I get why they went, why they won. Um, and I guess if they're going to become a bigger part of ROH, like it makes sense. It just seems like. 
okay, we'll give it to the Lucha Brothers. And like, honestly, after watching the match, I'm like, man, I think they should have gave it to the Kingdom. <laughs> they should have given it to the t- Kingdom. You are absolutely right. I think Madison Square uh, Taven and Boston Strong Style Mike Bennett should have won this match. <laughs> yeah, you you see it. Um, so yeah, I, I mean. Like being as big wrestling fans as we are, we have seen a lot of ladder matches and a lot of crazy spot fest ladder matches on big shows like this. So it is like it is a testament to everyone who is in the ring. Uh because like you see so many like you've seen so many ladder matches that even the crazy spots you kind of feel numb to just because it's like, okay, they're doing like, they're doing the crazy ladder match shit in the, in the crazy ladder match on the big show. Mm -hmm. Like we, you, like you see the money in the bank match every year, or you see like the big NXT ladder match that they'll do, or like AEW does the brass ring match. So for this to like really stand out as, a truly great ladder match when so many like when the big spot ladder match at this point is such well-trodden ground is really a testament to uh, everyone in the ring, including a lot of guys who like, I'm not a huge fan of Aussie open. Um, I like, like I said, I had very little expectations from the kingdom, but boy, they really brought it. Uh, like, I I think Drillistico is fine, but he's not like my favorite. Yeah. Uh, so, but I mean, everyone really put on their working boots for this match, and uh, I I also would have put it on the kingdom, but I do I see. I see why you would put like the reach for the sky ladder match, uh, which is like a defect, like a tribute to Jay Briscoe. I see why you would put it on the team with the most history with the Briscoes like that were in the match, like and obviously not multiple other brother tag teams in the match, Drillistico and Rush and Roosh, uh, Dante and Darius Martin. Uh, but obviously the Lucha brothers, probably the most prominent brother tag team you have. And so you like give them the nice moment with FTR and Mark Briscoe after the match. But yeah, Yeah. good, good shit. I also watching this match made me realize how much I want the kingdom versus butcher and the blade. Oh, that match would rock. <laughs> we fucking need that match. Uh, I, yeah, I don't put care. that on a rampage, Tony. Yeah, Tony, put that on rampage. Put that on the the Saturday Punk show. Yeah, put whatever. that on the CM Punk show. Whatever the fuck you're gonna call it. Who knows? Collision or some shit. Um, who knows? I just book it. Let give Punk the book. Maybe he'll have the sense to book it. But yeah. Yeah, I, I trust. I, I trust in Punk. He'll do yeah. it. Well, he was at Raw tonight. <laughs> he was clearing the air with the Miz. <laughs> oh my god! Can we talk about that fucking report real quick about how Vince McMahon, who allegedly is not at Raw, but 
wanted Punk to leave the arena or some shit. Yeah, and, that's very funny. And like the two major things from that report is Punk saw Triple H. That's it. That's like the note. And Punk cleared the air with the Miz. And I saw somebody tweet something to the effect of, oh, Punk spent five minutes with the Bucks and realized Miz isn't so fucking dumb anyways. <laughs> it's it's just it's so good. I don't understand. I don't know. I find it really man, wrestling's fucking weird right now. It is it is a very strange, strange world. Yeah, like I like what's what's happening? I, I don't know. Like Maybe Punk just did it to piss Tony off. Who knows? What's going on, brother? What? What? Listen here. Somebody drop into the DMs. Tell me if Punk's coming back at this fucking collision show. Let me know if Punk is just going to wrestle like a Bret Hart tribute act again. Who? Who are you talking to, dude? You talking? <laughs> you talking to Miz? Talking backstage to Miz, I, like I just don't understand. Like, what? What's the point of this? You know, like, but obviously, Punk lives in Chicago. Raw's in Chicago, and he's like, "Brother, I gotta go make amends with Mike." And it's just what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, whatever. I don't know, man. I, maybe he wanted a second brawl out to happen at Raw. Yeah, maybe he wanted that, to beat that the would shit have been out of very him. that would have been very funny. Maybe it actually would maybe... have been really funny if Punk comes backstage at Raw, first time seen in the WWE arena in a decade, and just beats the shit out of somebody, or somebody beats the shit out of him. But yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, Vince kicked him out before that could happen. Yeah, remotely, remotely via satellite, what the fuck ever. All right, Chris, what's what's your number? Uh... Your number four. Uh, my number four, another uh, one that we tabled uh, from GCW, The World on Lucha, uh, Gringo Loco versus Psycho Clown. Wow. Which, you are absolutely correct. Uh, the finish. That finish is doo-doo. <laughs> doo-doo finish. Like, very, very out of, like out of nowhere doo-doo ass finish uh but other than that it's a very great match uh yeah gringo no. loco putting on a very fin- like a great performance before that um and you like you wish you really wish a match like this with Gringo Loco having this marquee match on like quote unquote his show with a guy he's been building this rivalry with for well over a year in Psycho Clown, obviously one of the biggest stars in Mexico. And Uh, they've already had a great match last year in the States. Yeah, which I I do prefer like I prefer that match where yeah, uh, Psycho Clown uh, won that a lot more than uh, than this. Um, but I still think this is great. Gringo, like I said, Gringo Loco gives the performance 
uh, that you would want from uh, like like a, a veteran who's really getting his flowers and has this opportunity against one of the big stars to get his win back in a in a gimmick match and it you're it's just getting there and it's getting there and then doo-doo i mean it, it it makes no sense so i mean i i guess we will spoil what ex- so the finish of the match is like Gringo is bleeding buckets, which is something yeah. I can appreciate. Like Gringo does a nasty ass blade job. Um and and Psycho bleeds a fair bit too. Um but I mean Gringo is just like Yeah, there's the... like there's cinder blocks, there's thumbtacks, there's fucking scissors. Yeah, like yeah, like the the gimmick is a false count anywhere match, but they they're working a death match. Yeah. Um and all but name but uh they they psycho sets up like a door in between two chairs in the ring and he brings in two center blocks well gringo like does a, like a, a i guess like a babyface comeback even though he works the whole match's heel uh and puts psycho on the door and psycho meets him halfway and psycho clown hits the spanish uh, correct me if i'm wrong chris but the way i saw the move well, Psycho Clown hits a span, uh, one-man Spanish fly through the thumbtack, through the cinder block, through the door. And Psycho Clown then, like, after the move, is reacting like his arm is just, like, given out. And, like, 10 seconds after the move, maybe, Gringo just does, like, a sort of half-ass crucifix roll-up and wins. Yeah, so... So, like, I think it seemed like Psycho Clown was legit hurt. So you you wonder if, like, there was more to the match initially planned. Like, obviously, that's a big spot. But, like, the way, the way it ended with the, like, roll-up is just bonkers to think about. Yeah. And, but also, like, Psycho Clown did work... I I believe he worked a different indie a few days later. So you're so was it was he injured? Was he not? And like like what happened? What happened there? Uh, it's just it's just such a like wet fart on what was otherwise a really really gnarly brawl. Yeah. Uh, from a really good show overall, uh, probably the breeziest show uh, of the week. Yeah, I, it's I like skipped, right at I, over two hours. Yeah, I skipped the scramble because there's only like it's the lucha show and there's only one actual luchador in that match. Mm-hmm. But like everything else after that point, good is at least base good. Um, the tree like the annual. Like trios match in that spot is good. Uh, La Familia versus Los Macizos, like really solid twelve minute match, giving what you would expect from those two teams. Uh, Negro Casas versus Tony Deppin, good and like obviously the Vikingo Laredo Kid main event 
delivers. So very, just very breezy match or show overall. This was the best match on the show. It's just a bummer about the finish. Like, which is, which is like a very, like very recurring theme. Yeah. Uh, like show. now that I've, yeah, it was just like <laughs> so many matches like were super rad and then just, uh, the finish was okay, I guess. Yeah. Or like, a- like multiple actively bad finishes. Like I'm like, if that, if clown and loco had a better finish, it probably beats out. Mm, I mean, it it probably makes it into the top five. Instead, yeah. it, it ended at ten, and it was like a coin toss between, uh, like Psycho Clown, Gringo Loco, and uh, like Athena Sakazaki, was like a toss up for my ten. Yeah. But yeah, I, I but again, super rad. Uh, if you haven't checked out the Gringo Loco versus Psycho Clown match from last year. Oh yeah, Which absolutely I, check that match out. Definitely check that out because I feel like that match did not get a lot of play because it just happened on a random fucking like January or February GCW show and I think they're in like Detroit or something maybe. They're in a ta- they were in a city they don't really ever run, um, and they just fucking kill it. Like it's phenomenal. Probably one of the fifteen best matches of the whole year. This match was on pace to do that like obviously they're not in as cool of a building to do no to do that because the show they had last year in gcw did it have this a skateboard ramp am i thinking correctly in the and they were able to do like the crazy ass dives off of it or was it I, just a really i forget wall? exactly what the structure was that they were taking dives off but yeah but they they both hit like 20 plus feet dive like it was insane but this this match is different because they work it like a like a straight death match. Also, really made me want GCW to book Gringo Loco in death matches. Yeah, I don't know why we're not doing that. Like, I mean, he he's pretty much good in every role you could put him in. Uh, so like they like there's always like one surprise, almost like non death match guy that works like a tournament of survival or something. So if mm-hmm. they put like Gringo Loco in tournament of survival one time, I think, I think that would be really cool. Yeah. We, you know, who would be really cool to see Gringo Loco wrestle? Oh, <laughs> uh, Madman. Are we talking Pondo again? Uh, yeah, we're talking Pondo. <laughs> uh, it'd be really fucking rad. <laughs> I don't know what a Gringo Loco versus Madman Pondo match looks like. It looks but, like five stars, but it looks like an all timer in my head. I'm just imagining it. But man, even like, did Gringo has Gringo and Gage ever wrestled in GCW? They seem like two big enough names. I that feel have, I feel like there's probably a match there. They've had like, to have wrestled. They've they've I assume they've been in the ring together. I don't know if they've had a singles. Oh man, I mean Nick Gage defended that. I mean and now fucking Brett just drags him out to every fucking show even though he never wrestles but now i'm curious if he ever wrestled gringo loco because i feel like that's a weird match not to do Uh, i don't know i'm not going to be able to find it here but 
yeah, it does not look like they ever have ever wrestled a singles match. Yeah, I'm just yeah, those scrambles in battle royals. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's fucking bizarre. Yeah, never have really interacted in like a regular GCW on a regular GCW show. Yeah, well, I I guess it makes sense. Like, I feel like when Gringo Loco started really getting hype as one of the aces of the promotion and in on the indies in general was around the same time Gage got hurt. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I am kind of surprised they like on during Gage's last title run they never ran they ran never that. ran it, yeah. Wild stuff. Man, Gringo Loco has been on like a tear this year. I'm just seeing how much he's wrestled. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh if you if you have not seen that Vikingo match, I, I cannot attest to how well it translates on tape. Uh but that was an insane match to be in the building for. Yeah, I'll I'll I mean that seems like and again, I've also seen Gringo Loco live this year. I just remembered. Uh his match with Aries. From uh, GCW, take a picture. The, oh yeah, that's a that's a really fun match. Yeah, they they ran that show uh, in Huntsville. Uh, I and I have you seen the Vikingo match from GCW between him and Loco? Yeah, it, is the ROH one? I assume the ROH one is just like a more concise version. Would that be fair to say? Uh, I imagine they don't yeah, get twenty five minutes on ROH. No, no, it's like. 12 minutes oh hell um, yeah and they but they still got like so much of their shit in and uh obviously i've got like the live bias so sure. it's it's hard for me to really say but like i i enjoyed like that's probably my favorite vikingo match of the year um which i have liked a lot of his matches i'll definitely have to Check that out because that I mean that seems very much like my shit. I'm looking at Gringo Loco's cage match. I'm like, man, he has a lot of stuff on here. I really need to take the time to check out. Like, yeah, he is. Speedball happened last month. Yeah, he he like is almost forty and he's still crushing it. Yeah, that's good shit. Damn, I didn't even realize he worked fucking Gleet earlier this year. What? Yeah, he worked Gleet. Two shows. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Why I, not? They I, So apparently they flew him out for their December 30th show. Um, And yeah, he's apparently a part of Black Generation International, which is like one of the main groups in Gleet. Uh... But yeah, uh, he has a match here. Gringo Loco, Hartley Jackson, and Utani versus Bulk Orchestra, which is like a, probably the main heel faction in Gleet. And he was also in the G-Rex title number one contendership battle royal earlier this year. That's wild. I didn't realize he... I knew he had worked Japan last year. I didn't realize he had worked Japan this year. That's... Well, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Just learn something new every day. All right, are we ready to crack into our top threes? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
My number three. It may come as a surprise, but it shouldn't because I'm still a teenager at heart. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Usos for the tag titles. I thought... So, I I think I can kind of speak for a lot of people that people were a lot more interested in WWE um, than they probably had been in the last couple of years when the uh, the Sammy Roman stuff was popping off. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, WWE and their infinite wisdom, you know, Roman went over in Montreal of all fucking places. Um, so th- this feels like the consolation prize. But, I mean, the Usos, a great fucking tag team. Uh, Zayn and Owens, probably, like, one of my favorite stories in wrestling ever. Just, like, because it really just encompasses my whole time as a fan, yeah. really. Like, um, they're, they're very much, a, like, people our age, like, who got into wrestling, not, like like not just wwe but branched out like obviously like they have they have done this they they are destined to do this forever uh they've done this on every single level imaginable whether it's the fucking like montreal shindies or ring of honor or pwg or NXT, and now like they've got this big mania moment, main event against the like biggest mm-hmm. biggest. They've push teamed tag at team WrestleMania the before. Decade. Like they've teamed at WrestleMania before. They've wrestled at WrestleMania before, so it's pretty rad for like this to be like the the. I don't want to say the conclusion, but like. Really, the again we talk about the full circle moment. The full circle moment of they've they have truly done everything in their careers like together in one way or another. Um, and again, be, being against a team as good as the fucking Usos, you know, whatever you think of the bloodline and the booking of the tag titles, the Usos are a great fucking tag team. Um, and the, and they just work like a straight up like no shenanigans just a great match um i think it has like that great storybook ending that you want it, it honestly reminded me a lot of danielson winning the title at wrestlemania 30 yeah i can i can see the parallels there um and i, I mean it also kind of just makes sense like you know that some indie you know your indie darlings doing that uh and i think the only thing holding it back is and I don't want to say the booking because I mean I, I'm super high. I went four and a half on the match. Um, is that it? Just kind of feels like a consolation prize, and like yeah. you, you can't help but wonder. It's like, man, why, why, why don't you go for for Zane? And then you're like, well, I guess they're gonna give the title to Cody. I guess that's uh-huh. like, yeah. <laughs> then you know what the fuck ever. But it's just some baffling fucking booking decisions happening at that company on a daily basis uh that we don't even have time to talk about here but like as a straight up match with with like the the satisfaction it gives you at the end of it is 
really good. I really don't think WWE does those moments great anymore, but like they can still bust one out when they want to. So when it it happens, it's a bit of a like it's a bit of a surprise and you are almost immediately on on guard of like well or I will I won't even say it in this point because like I feel like with this one in particular you you don't have the okay how are they going to fuck this up yeah because it just felt it felt that good Mm -hmm. like even even like the Kofi win a few years ago like obviously that match with Daniel Bryan is a fantastic match. Uh, one of the best WrestleMania matches uh, of the past 10 years for sure. Probably maybe even ever. Uh, but there was, there was always something in the back of your head. Like, okay, Kofi got this really nice moment. How are they going to fuck it up? And we saw how that played out with Brock. Yeah. And Obviously, they could still fuck this up, but they could. Brock could, like, could win the tag titles. Brock could, Brock could win the tag titles. Uh, who knows? But it like it's one of those things that, like, even as a sort of consolation prize, feels so good to see like these guys who have the history they have together, um, get like have have that match have that moment and feel good about the company for even just a few moments just for a 90 seconds and it also helped too that like the first night of wrestlemania was really fucking good yeah it like it was like I, I didn't. It didn't make my list. Like this match, or uh, somehow my mortal enemy when it comes to wrestling, Seth freaking Rollins, had a great match with Logan Paul. Logan Paul that included KSI getting yeah taking a table bump dressed as a prime bottle. Boat. That was that was one of the true beautiful moments you'll see in wrestling all year. That that's only that's. A WrestleMania moment, in my that opinion. is a hashtag WrestleMania. Moment. That is a it was an OMG moment as yeah, well. Yeah, that was a hashtag AJ All. Um, but but yeah, so like this, like being the cap on like one of the better in ring shows WWE has probably produced in the 2020s, which isn't like a super high bar, but um, it was still like a nice little cherry on top. It's like hmm, they get they can still pull out that little bit of magic when they want to. Yeah, it's 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 like the moment, like kind of what we were talking about earlier with Claudio Addy, uh, as having like you've got this great show and you really want to have like that big baby face win in the great match. Somehow WWE pulled it off, and Ring of Honor didn't. Yeah, well, WWE pulled half of it off. Half of it off. <laughs> they, they pulled it off on night one. Yeah, the, yeah, night one. We're not. We're not talking about night two. Yeah, we we can't. Man, <laughs> I still don't. Just don't fucking get it. There's a new belt. There's a new belt, Tanner. Okay, but but we're let's not talk about that. We we've, we've already gone. We've gone a long time as it is. Well, I I want to be honest again. 
I think Bad Bunny should win the title. Oh, absolutely. I don't know if you saw. Is the, but... is the Puerto Rico show before or after the Saudi or like the show where they're crowning this new champion? It's before they're they're crowned. Oh, my. I didn't even realize they were crowning this show at Night of Champions. But Night of Champions this year is in fucking Saudi Arabia. Yep. Yep. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, uh, Bad Bunny's wrestling Damian Priest in a street fight in Puerto Rico, so that should be pretty fucking cool. They they should make that for the for the title, the new they title. Should. But they're cowards. The, have you? I'm sorry to go off topic a little bit, but have you seen this backlash card by chance? I have not seen the backlash card. It, Chris, it's not bad. Seth freaking Rollins is wrestling Omos. Well, we'll see what we'll see what Omos can get out of him. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, Omos can slow him down a little bit. All right, Chris, hit us with your number three. My number three is a match that you alluded to just missing your list. Uh, for the Ring of Honor Women's World Title, Athena versus Yuka Sakazaki. Uh. Like these are this is a match that when it got booked, I was already all in. I'm extremely biased towards both of these both of these women. Uh Yuka Sakazaki, I've already said it uh like once on this on this show. I think she's one of the best in the world. Athena is like she's really reinvented herself in the last year because like it was last WrestleMania weekend uh, where she like, I think those were her first matches since getting released by WWE. I could be wrong about that, but uh, like last year she had, I like always liked her fine, but she had this match with uh, Mia Yim on WrestleCon Super Show that was phenomenal. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to have to pay attention to what Athena is doing going forward. And she's been great in AEW and Ring of Honor, uh, especially her heel run where she's just kicking everyone's ass. And yeah. then they pair her with Yuka Sakazaki, who is one of the hardest-hitting wrestlers in like in the world. And you're just like, okay, I want to see, I want to see them beat the shit out of each other. And like the match, there's a, there's a few awkward moments at the start of the match as they're kind of feeling each other out. But as it gets going and it is, it is a relatively short match. I think it's only 12 minutes or so. Um, but you, you really see it like, see it coming together and like they're just like i said two of the best in the world like beating the shit out of each other athena i don't i don't know what she's if maybe she's simply just laying things in more now that she's in like not wwe style uh but she just looks like a killer and Sakazaki 
was a phenom like phenomenal opponent. I could not think of a better opponent for her. Unfortunately, like reception to this match has been more tepid than I expected because mm-hmm. I really loved it. Um, yeah, but like this is like this is the match on the card that. I had the expectations for and really lived up to them. Um, so yeah, like, like right now, Yuka Sakazaki might be my number two on my current Chris 100 list. I'm not going to lie. Uh, no one's beating pig destroyer right now, but <laughs> uh, man, pig she's destroyer, getting as close as you can. Sakazaki and Mudo is your top three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I'm not as high on it as you were, obviously. But like, I we're talking about our top ten matches. That match is my number eleven. Like, it barely fucking missed this list. Yeah. Um, it, it's a great match. I went four stars on it. Uh, Athena is like on the run of her career pretty easily right now. Uh, Sakazaki, like Chris said, it is having a phenomenal year just a total fucking workhorse like even like the random like tokyo joshi pro like eight women tag matches i've seen like she kills it she's a highlight in them yeah she she will bring it to like i think i i think i've talked about it before but like they will be working like one of the silly mat gimmick like ddt style gimmick matches and Yuka Sakazaki will take it 100% serious and she'll mm-hmm. just like potato people in the middle of like a swimming pool. I mean, it's it, so sick every time. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's incredible. If if you haven't seen the match that she has with Yamashita from the first we actually talked about it on the first episode of Muscle Orchestra, you y'all have to go check that match out cuz that's going to be a match that gets slept on throughout the year and I know Chris was super high on it, and uh, I, I mean, it's a good... I thought it was really good, but that seems like a perfect primer for, like, her stuff this year, is that match with Yamashita. It's really fucking good. Sak- Sakazaki has killed it this year. um, So that, it, it's really cool. And, and this match is no exception. Her and Athena killed it. Like I said, Athena on the run of her career... And I mean, honestly, Athena is having like a wrestler of the year caliber yeah. year. You just have to watch like AEW Dark and Dark Elevation and Honor Club <laughs> to, yeah. to get because she's working on a ton of like three, four five minute squash matches that are like legitimately really fucking good. Yeah, she is. She's one of like. It's really nice to see her in the ring with someone of her caliber. Uh, and to go for a longer match because, like, Athena it is, like, one of the true great squash workers going right now. Mm-hmm. But it's just really nice to, like, I I think, like, the only other time outside of... He's got a really good uh, Ring of Honor TV match with Willow Nightingale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that Marina Shafir match you mentioned earlier is also great. But yeah, it's one of the first time, like, few times she's really been able to break out of, like, the squash 
match uh like formula and she's great at the squash match formula but like getting to see her do more of her offense which is so stellar has been has been awesome uh and it's on full display in this match yeah definitely high recommend for that match even though it doesn't make my top 10 chris having it at three should be enough but i i I was a little disappointed i couldn't include it on this list like it it is my number 11 with a bullet for this list all right uh your number two all right my number two chris i don't want you to be mad at me what what's the match here this match I may have cheated a little. It did happen during WrestleMania weekend. Okay. It just happened on the other side of the country. Interesting. It happened in ICW No Holds Barred uh, 44. And, and Chris, I watched this. I watched this match for fun, and because I it has two workers, I think are fucking phenomenal and i saw the date i'm like oh my god and it was so good i'm like if i don't talk about it here we're probably not gonna loop back around to like this time frame again anytime soon unless like a year-end sort of deal but i had to talk about it it's lufisto versus mickey knuckles hell yeah i'm i'm not mad at all so i I specifically have not watched these. Uh, like, I'm going to watch these shows pretty soon. I did not watch them in preparation for this show because I was like, oh, it's it is technically like like they did a big like quote unquote WrestleMania weekend at the H2O uh, Center in New Jersey, and they ran a bunch of deathmatch shows, which look really fun, but like. I I was like, in the spirit of WrestleMania weekend, I'm only going to do the shows in Los Angeles. But I'm not mad at all for you, (laughs) including this, because this match seems fucking sick. It's so fucking good. I mean, it it is legitimately... I mean, it's phenomenal. It is a fantastic match. Um, You know, we talked about uh, Demus and Wotan at the top of the show. Like having that Lucha walking brawl style. This match is that, but like in a more intimate setting, because it's, you know, they're not in a, you know, a fucking junkyard. They're inside the, the H2O compound or whatever the fuck they call it. Um, I'm not going to spoil too much of the match because I really want you to watch it, Chris, because I know it will be you, your shit. Extremely I, yeah, your shit. You, you know, I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big Mickey Knuckles head and Lou Fisto is it's always, it's always nice to see her. She, it may be my favorite Lou Fisto performance I've ever seen. Oh, sick. Yeah. Like I don't like, and don't get me wrong. I Mickey Knuckles is fucking phenomenal. Uh, every time you get to see him. But Lufisto puts in like, in my opinion, like a career perform, like babyface performance, and it is just, I like, I ate it up. Like I was hooting and hollering watching this match. I'm like, 
you know what they did it like <laughs> i was like I, I have to include this on my list i know it did happen during wrestlemania weekend it just happened in new jersey and not la but please everybody do yourself a favor and watch this match it go, it's not super long it's like probably 13 or 14 minutes um but man they just like whip ass the whole time some pretty crazy like brawling spots it really feels like you're watching a match from like 2003 iwa mid-south um tanner that's like that's all the recommendation you need yeah i mean again i I don't want to give too much away about this match because this was the match i watched about five minutes before we hit record and i'm like i have to put it on this yeah when you when you said like when you said the match i was just like oh this has to be the match tanner just added yeah it it's fucking phenomenal every everybody do yourself a favor watch it chris go go watch it because i would love to hear your thoughts on it but yeah i might like i have to go to bed pretty early after we uh finish recording but i might watch like i might watch this match but i'm just scared it'll get me like too amped up to it it might like this match has probably single-handedly convinced me because icw is running chattanooga um at the end of june or actually june 30th and july 1st and mickey knuckles is confirmed to be wrestling i think both nights and i'm like i think i have to go see mickey knuckles wrestle live yeah i i'm like i'm going to SummerSlam uh in august because it's mm-hmm. in detroit and I think I see. I believe ICW is running at least one show that weekend. So I I feel like I'm going to have to like introduce my brother to deathmatch wrestling, like deathmatch wrestling. Yeah, that that's like my thing too because you know you can't bleed in Alabama, like yeah, wrestling. oh yeah. Um, but you can in Tennessee. So like, and my <laughs> I took my wife earlier this year to GCW. And then I'm taking her to one of the AEW house shows is coming here at the beginning of June. I'm like, all right, let's take the next step. We got to go see Pit Fighter. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, everybody go check that match out. It's fucking phenomenal. Uh, for, for star reference, I went four and a half on it. Beautiful. Uh, right. my, my number two, uh, going back, going back to Supercard of Honor is uh for the triple a mega title elio del vikingo versus commander wow i i'm i'm shocked that you have this match that high yeah i so honestly all of the matches on my list very close together okay like this is all like like these are all like four, four and a half, or not four and a half, four and a quarter. Uh, I didn't, I didn't go uh four and a half or higher on anything the weekend. There were a lot of, like, there were a lot of matches I really liked, but not a lot of like matches I thought were like transcendent in a way like you've had at WrestleMania weekends past. Mm-hmm. But there were obviously a lot of stuff I really like, and I don't know this. This just hit like all of the notes of what I wanted to see 
these two guys and like then some. Uh, Vikingo, obviously, he has been a top guy in Mexico um, for several years now. He does he does things that like make your jaw drop. Um, even when he more or less screws up a move, just the way he recovers with his body, like a pinball going on going on the ropes it's just it doesn't make sense it doesn't it doesn't make sense like like it is truly some video game shit and now he like he's had us dates in the pe- in the past he's worked impact he's worked mlw he's worked gcw but now he's like he finally had the match with Kenny Omega that both guys have wanted to have for years. Mm-hmm. And, um, the ma- and the rematch just got booked for, uh, yeah, for triple mania or one of the triple mania. Shows. Yeah. Yeah. The second triple mania show, the one in July. And, uh, like, obviously I'm very high on that, uh, gringo loco match. I saw at the ROH taping and he's like, had some other really good shit and commander is another guy who uh last year he broke out big on the indies in america like he started getting booked a lot by gcw he got started another guy who got booked by mlw worked some pwg shows um and like he's not of like the technical luchadors who are being brought into the States. He's not like my favorite. He obviously does some crazy shit on like his rope dives and stuff like that. Um, but I think this is probably the best match I've seen from commander, uh, in his U S work. And I, I, it's just like, it's just like a almost perfect opener for a really like a show as good as Supercard of Honor was. They get in so much crazy shit in. Like I said, even when like a a botch happens, they just recover so like in such an insane way that it really works. And I think it just it was just a fantastic tone setter. They go 15, like 15 minutes, like they get all their shit in. They don't leave like anything on the table and they just go out there and have a, have a fantastic match Uh Vikingo had both guys had other matches that weekend. Viking, like on WrestleCon, they had a triple threat with black Taurus. Uh, that's like, good but not like on this level um but yeah it's just like the crazy crazy shit curtain jerker steal the show type match that uh i wanted to see from these guys and they they brought it what especially because like this match was like almost announced as an afterthought (laughs) 
Yeah, like th- this match was announced maybe the week of the show. It was announced the week of the show. I was trying yeah. to think of if it was like the week of a couple days before or like the day of even. Yeah, it was it was definitely I think it was announced for Supercard of Honor like on Dynamite that week. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that makes sense. It was like announced on Dynamite or just like one of those random Tony Khan Tony Khan tweets, yeah. Yeah, what the wild the wild shit where Tony Khan just like books what an insane matchup. Mm-hmm. That's that's no, his with no brand. hype. Yeah. yeah. That's his that's his poster's brain is just like I'm going to go on Twitter because I booked this like wild match with no build, but it's just going to be sick, so no like Yeah, nobody's gonna question it. No one's going to question it, and yeah, I didn't quite like he like they booked this match, and I was like, just like, oh yeah, that's sick. They're going to like that's going to get a bunch of hype, and yeah, it it like I said, set the tone for the show. Our our friend Dave almost gave it five. Yeah, <laughs> Dave. Uh... Quite high on Vikingo's WrestleMania weekend. He's so. quite uh, he's quite high on Vikingo in general. In general, yeah. Um, but yeah, it is really cool. Like, it really seemed like Vikingo was heating up a ton, and then COVID hit, and he just he was primarily just stuck in Mexico, probably two years longer than he should have been. Um. And he could have been having this breakout stuff sooner in the States. And don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, if you watch his stuff from AAA or anything, like, I mean, you can tell he's incredible. You don't have to watch him on the U.S. show to know he's incredible. But it is cool for him to get in front of, like, these audiences that, you know, don't even know that fucking AAA exists. Yeah, they, um, they've they never seen, like, he's in these big stadiums with, like, a lot a bunch of people who either only kind of know who he is yeah or don't know who he is at all and he's like crushing it because like yeah like there's a difference between like 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 i said both of these guys have been working gcw shows and mlw shows but that's not that's not (laughs) the same thing as working like a 4,000 seat arena in Los Angeles yeah. on a pay-per-view. Yeah. I mean, in <laughs> who even watches MLW, but, um, you, yeah, you know, duh. <laughs> do they still book Loki? Um, I don't, I don't know. I wonder. I, I know Loki is still working like house of glory. Okay. Uh, no, he has not been booked uh, by MLW since 2021. That's a shame. I remember the low-key King Mo program. <laughs> I, I actually did go through a phase where I watched some MLW because they were booking some weird shit. I mean, yeah, because they, they were booking low-key. They were booking low-key versus Filthy Tom. Yeah, they they had low key. They were booking like uh, all the strong hearts at one point. They had like El Linda Man and T Parks. Yeah, the Parks were regularly working it. So I I don't know what happened. All right, Chris. 
Uh, well, by process of elimination, you should be able to guess my number one, and I know I know your number one. Yes. But uh, we'll go with my, you know, we'll just keep with the order here. Uh, my favorite, and in my opinion, the best match of WrestleMania weekend, Gunther versus Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre for the Intercontinental title at WrestleMania 39, night two. Um, I don't know what to say about this match. I mean, it they beat the fuck out of each other. I mean, it, it yep. is it, it, it elbows, chops. I mean, it's like the best part of like classic Big Japan Haas match, and then it's three of them. Also helps that you have like I've been hot and cold on McIntyre in the past. Gunther Walter is pretty consistently great. I think Sheamus may go down in history as one of the most underrated workers ever. I think Absolutely. he's one of, one of the best TV wrestlers ever. Um, I, I would put him on the same tier of TV wrestler as a Mysterio, as a Christian, as a Regal. Hell yeah. Um, and he's kind of having, I don't want to say a career resurgence, but like definitely like a, re, a reignited fire uh, as of late. Uh, probably because he's working against guys that he, you know, legitimately likes. Uh, and they just beat the shit out of each other. There's really nothing nothing more to say than that. Um, I assume if you're listening to this, you've probably seen this match. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just... It's good shit. I mean, that, <laughs> that's pretty much all there is to say. Is, like, wa- watching it, I was shocked of how, like, far... Like, how much physicality there was in it. Uh, for a match happening in a stadium in front of, you know, 65, 70,000 people and like how well that came across to the crowd and just the crowd yeah. reacting to the, every the, top. The the crowd like did a lot to help get this match over with. Mm-hmm. So obviously I was I was a lot lower on this match in my ranking. I had it at eight. Um and the like literally the only thing is just like I am not a big fan of three way matches. Like there there's just something about the three way match structurally that is hard for me to vibe with because you can in mo in a lot of cases you just kind of see the wheels turning of like okay like it's really hard to do three-way three-way offense so you just have to figure out ways to get a guy out of the ring yeah at a given time and so you're like which from a continuity perspective it's just always just like boy if they like if it was just two of these guys having this match like i feel feel like things would just gel better and largely i like this is one of the best especially wwe three ways i've seen in forever because a lot of the sins i of structure that i just like which makes just makes my brain go numb when i watch a three-way match not just in wwe but anywhere like i said like my number my number two matchup had a 
triple threat with another guy I really like, Black Black Taurus, that just didn't hit as well for me because it was in that like three away setting. But like a lot of the sins of that I perceive in the formula can be forgiven by Seamus doing the 29 beats of the Bodron. <laughs> yep. And like, I, I like, I'm my, my favorite Seamus will always also be TV Seamus mm-hmm. of him. Just like murking a guy for eight minutes on a SmackDown. But it is also really cool to see, like, a massive stadium lose their minds for for Seamus. Because he's, like, like I know, because obviously you feel the same way. He's one of your guys. He's, like, a guy who uh, has had a hell of a career. He's done a lot of stuff. And he's been great at it the entire time and hasn't always gotten the recognition. So even even though I'd I'd rather see him just like destroying people than having more like 50-50 or I guess 33-33-33 matchups. Uh it's beautiful to see the WWE universe going wild for my man Seamus because he is he is one of the greats he's like very few people in the past 15 years have done it on his level and he give like he gives a hell of a performance all three guys do uh but like yeah they like it is one of those one of those situations where you see like three guys on the undercard say, no, this is our show now. Yeah. And like, like even, even if Cody versus Roman had the storybook ending that everyone wanted, uh, or even considering that the new, or the Usos and, uh, Sammy and KO did have the storybook ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, like these are the guys who had the match that everyone talked about yep. on either show. For for my money's worth, it's currently my match of the year. Um, I I don't know if that will change or you know after I do some th- these are all like first watch impressions, but. Oh, man, I mean, it's fucking good. Like, it it is cool, uh, especially with what uh, Gunther has done with the IC title. Like, it actually feels relatively important. Yeah, more this so is... than it has in my fandom ever. Um, so and like having two like legitimate like, I, I mean, I would consider upper card top guys. I mean, fuck McIntyre. You know, multi-time world champ, Seamus, multi-time world champ. So them like actively going after the icy title is, is kind of cool, and it doesn't make them look lower. It's they just kind of ele- all three of them elevated the title, and then they just you know had this fucking awesome match to boot. Yeah, for sure. All right, Chris. Well, let's hear it. Uh, <laughs> I'm ready to hear about it. All right, my my number one match 
I already I already gave uh I mean I've already said it's tabled, so those listening carefully know what this is. And I also laid the groundwork that I'm not going to hold a match being short against it. Uh from GCW Bloodsport. Kota Ibushi versus Speedball Mike Bailey. And like I said, like the the margins in my rankings are pretty razor thin. So like if I was if I was in like a slightly different mood when I made this ranking, uh it could have been like an Athena versus Yuka Sakazaki or a Viking versus Commander. Uh but like what I was feeling was this match, which is like this match being Kota Ibushi's return match is bonkers. Yeah. Cause like he has, he has not worked in over a year now. Yeah. He has since like the 2021 G one. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, uh, like I thought towards the end of that last New Japan run, Ibushi was a like he had some great matches in there still, um, but it felt like he just wasn't feeling at the level you would expect from Kota Ibushi, mm-hmm. who is like one of the true true greats of the past decade especially um he's had like such a wild career from ddt new japan uh the cruiserweight classic and so i mean i guess it's it's wild but not too wild that a blood sport match against speedball mike bailey who are not the two guys you'd necessarily think about for blood sport even though like mike bailey obviously very martial arts influenced he's done a lot of the like shoot style style shows for wxw but it's like one of those one of those matches that you see announced and you're just like okay what is what is what are brett and josh cooking here yeah, exactly. <laughs> and to get Kota Ibushi's first match back, uh, and I, I think Ibushi's match with uh, Janela from the weekend is also pretty good. Uh, but yeah, they, they wrestle for like six minutes. Uh, there's some sick-ass suplexes. Uh, Ibushi... Like he looks primed and ready for another run. Uh, we've talked in, like from last episode, we talked about how Speedball is like the ace of the indies right now. Mm-hmm. And so even even with the two of them working a short match in the blood sport setting, they both just inherently understand the assignment and like know how to make the most 
of the time that it's going to get and uh, really deliver because I had like, I had no idea where this match was going to end on the spectrum. Cause like, I figured it would probably be good because Ibushi, it being his return match, he wasn't going to take a day off. Uh, even even if I didn't always love his last, like the tail end of his uh, COVID and New Japan run, which that should probably be a caveat when I talk about the end of his run is that all of those were still like all of those matches were still uh, under a lot of like regulations as far as crowd setting goes. So Mm -hmm. a lot of guys in general weren't putting out their best work. Um, But yeah, Abushi looks like very, like he didn't have much rust, if any, to shake off speedball, a really good, uh, like, I I love speedball in a sprint match. I like seeing him get his ass kicked and taking some bumps on some Ibushi suplexes. And yeah, I just thought both guys really looked great. And like, it's, it's the kind of match that ideally you get from a WrestleMania weekend. Uh, Cause it, it really is a match that, is hard to see happening any other time of the year just because like who knows what Ibushi's going to do next if it's going to be AEW or I would assume not WWE especially with their hiring freeze uh or if he goes back to DDT or whatever he does yeah or like does some other weird shit that we yeah. can't even comprehend. And like Mike Bailey, who gets a lot of like dream match style bookings because he is, he is like the ace of the Indies right now. But like what other time is there just going to be this like perfect culmination of everything in wrestling with like all of the resources to get this match uh, again. And I like, like I said, you can't predict Ibushi's career. So they could just book this match at a, like even more obscure indie for next month. Uh, but it's, it does feel like that WrestleMania, that WrestleMania weekend match that especially with like there being a legit, legitimate number two now, uh, and the, like, there was tons of discourse about are the Indies dead because of WrestleMania weekend, uh, not like the shows other than Russell, like WrestleMania itself and Ring of Honor didn't get a ton of hype, but like it's just one of those 
one of those matches that like feels like you would get when WrestleMania weekend was at its peak. Yeah. Like in 2016 or 2017 uh, or 2015 when like they would bring like like Stawa or someone crazy into Eve to work in Evolve show or something like that. So, or, and like Abushi was in plenty of those like Evolve and Rust, like WWN Super Show Mercury Rising style shows. So, like, that's, I think that's a big part of why I, I like this match as much as it did because the like the work is great. Both guys bring it, but it's also like a WrestleMania weekend match in the in the classical sense. Yeah. No, uh and I you kind of alluded to it, but I also feel like no one else outside of WrestleMania weekend is gonna be like, okay, we have a Bushi, we have Bailey. All right, let's give them six minutes. Nobody else is yeah. going to do that. People have yeah, those let's two guys. Give them six minutes at Bloodsport. Yeah, they're going to be like, they have to go 30, 35 minutes. That's the only way this is even remotely financially viable for us. Um, Like, that, that is a WrestleMania thing. Like, that, that can't happen anywhere else. Like, the only other promotion that would probably do that would be fucking DDT, like, if they ran a show in Japan. Yeah. Um. It so it, that is cool in that sense. It reminds me. I haven't really had that feeling since they bought in um Takeda and Hideki Suzuki a few years ago. Um, oh yeah. They did the Gresham and Takeda match, and they did Thatcher versus Suzuki. Like this kind of felt like that, but this feels a little bit bigger because again, you have Abushi coming back from you know, his hiatus and speedball being like pretty much the de facto indie ace right now. Yeah. He's, um, he's like never, he really doesn't feel like he's ever been bigger than he is right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, it's just, it's really cool. It's a match that I think only happens at WrestleMania weekend. It's just cool that it happened in the context of, Oh, let's run it at our sort of shoot show. And do they work like a shoot style? Eh, not really. But like, you know, Ibushi hits his fucking out of the ring, into the ring German King Suplex, whatever you call it. Uh, but it's fucking cool. You know, like it's it's good. Like it's just not traditional shoot style, but it is a different match than I think they would have worked if they worked anywhere else. Yeah, you were, so. you were in like... Like if they work this match at Jimmy Lloyd's degeneration F or whatever, like they are working an entirely different style of match than they worked here. Even if like you're getting some of the same, like some of the same sequences and moves, you're just really getting like, it's two guys kind of, even though it's not like traditional shoot style or whatever, it's them breaking down their styles in a way they otherwise wouldn't on a different mm-hmm. show. Exactly. Huh. Well, Chris, that sounds like WrestleMania weekend in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I guess I'd, I I will say, um, you know, every year people kind of say, oh, WrestleMania weekend is dying. It's going to hit its breaking point, whatever. I do feel like COVID kind of slowed that down a little bit. But um, this year really felt like, I don't want to say return to form, but I feel like for the most part, these shows in ring kind of over delivered. Um, like it wasn't hard for us to come up with 10 matches. Like I yeah. think we, we both actively were cutting matches and I, I'm like you, my, my number 10 on my list is four. I rated it four stars. Like everything on my list, I consider great. And there is great stuff that missed my list. Um, yeah. Like, uh, uh, like there's a Lucha trios on WrestleCon super show. I liked a lot. Um, I I do really like the Coughlin Moxley match from GCW. I already mm-hmm. mentioned like the world on Lucha Show is a breeze. Uh, another Mike Bailey match that just missed the cut was the Vikingo match from Spring Break, which is really good. Um, Shibata beat the dog shit out of Wheeler Yuta, and it Sh- Shibata like, just not the best clowning him. Like it's not the best Shibata match, but it's also just really fun to watch him beat the dog shit out of Wheeler Yuta. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, Chris, if, uh, if you want to go on the plugs, uh, nothing, nothing much to plug right now. Uh, if you want to follow me, I am. Uh, still at fight Haskins. Uh, I am currently locked right now, but I, if you put in a follow request, I'll approve it. Probably assuming like I can generally tell when you're someone from wrestle Twitter that wants to follow me. So uh, I am in uh, the early stages of doing a best of the 2010s. Chris 100. Yeah. Uh, I've teased it on Twitter a little bit. Uh, it is just not feasible. Even uh, Tanner uh, and some other people have offered to help. But just with like the way my life is right now, it's just not feasible for me to do with my current uh, like my current job uh, with the hours I'm working, the hours I'm working them as well as just some personal stuff. Um, it's not a great time for it, but uh, watch out. Hopefully in the next few months, I'll have more details about that. So everybody start watching. Yeah. 2012 yeah. CCW isn't going to watch itself. That's so true. <laughs> uh, time to time to watch all of like you've seen, you've seen the Fred Yehi evolve run, but you got to, like watch those random southern indies indie matches that he uploads onto his like his YouTube account. Mm-hmm. Gotta watch fucking Yard Call. Absolutely. Absolutely <laughs> watch Yard Call. How high is Corey Hollis gonna make it on the Chris 100 2010s? Who can say? Um yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to some digging in the 2010 trenches once again. Um, plugs for me, uh, listen to every show on this network helps me out greatly. Uh, the AYCH main feed, always a great place to get your little podcast fix. There's like 400 pieces of audio on it. Almost go check that out. 
AYCH Extra. The week you're listening to this, two days ago, Colt and I just released uh, another episode of Backlog Boys where we go through Hi-Fi Rush in its entirety, development cycle and all that. So go check that out. Uh, you can check us out streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash all you can hear. All those VODs go up on YouTube, the all you can hear YouTube channel. And you can follow me on Twitter at Tanner1495, where I'm just chugging along. I, I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah, I've got I got nothing else. I got an advertisement here that Discord has an AI chat bot now. Fun. It, it, it scared me because I thought Discord like shut down on me. I was like, oh, fuck, what? <laughs> but it just said chat with Clyde, you know, after two and a half hours. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back. Sometimes in May, talking about more wrestling. Uh, what wrestling we'll be talking about, who knows? But we'll talk to y'all then. <laughs>